Hi, Creative. It's Lauren here, and I wanted to ask you a quick favor. If you like the show and it has helped you, please remember to rate, review, and follow it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Also consider sharing the show on your Instagram stories or Twitter. Tag the guest at Unleash Your Inner Creative and at Lauren LaGrasso, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. And now let's get to the creative chat. Do you think it's possible to let go of the need to control the outcome without giving up on your dreams? It's hard. It's a lesson I'm in the midst of learning. Falling in love with the journey and getting comfy with the fact that you don't know exactly where it will lead is something so many creatives struggle with, especially if you have anxiety like me. Luckily, today's guest has some incredible tips on how to let go, find peace in the unknown, and even fall in love with the process of figuring out your path. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcast host and producer, singer-songwriter, public speaker, actor, and creative coach. And this show is meant to give you tools to claim the word creative, take fear out of the driver's seat of your life, and love yourself enough to pursue whatever it is that's on your heart. On the show, we explore the creative process and journey, mental health, self-development, and spirituality. Today's guest is Sarah Frazier. She's a professional broadcaster, TV personality, TikToker, and my dear friend. This is her second time on Unleash because she's so damn good, has a ton of insight to share, and I love her. In her career, she's hosted and co-hosted a multitude of radio and TV shows, including the enormously popular iHeartRadio program, The Kane Show of Hot 99.5, and she's a frequent contributor on Fox 5 DC. You'll recall that Sarah hosts her own podcast called The Sarah Fraser Show, which I've been on a couple times. I was just even a couple weeks ago. We did an amazing episode about my release of my song, Pretty Little Boy. And the catchphrase I use to describe Sarah is... Sarah Frazier, she'll talk to anyone because it's true. You will actually be shocked to see some of the people she talks to. She has some wild, inspiring, funny, and even kooky-ass guests she brings on her show. She recently had a woman who claims she has sex with God. So just to give you a little bit of perspective. Since Sarah was last on my show, she has become a mom and has a precious baby boy named KJ. She's also now planning on moving to LA from DC with her hubby and baby to pursue her dreams of becoming a national on-camera talk show host. Today, we talked a lot about what it means to find fulfillment and prioritize your dreams. Our conversation also took an interesting turn. It became therapy. And I'll be honest, it got very vulnerable and we both cried pretty hysterically. <laughs> we did, though. Um, I think it's because we hit on some deep truths about the psychology behind the creative process, how we can honor our ancestors by pursuing our dreams, why it's so important to lean into risk, and even how precious life itself is. I share my disappointments and my desires, and Sarah shares why we all can and must keep hope on our path. I hope this episode reminds you that I'm on this journey with you. I'm very much in the thick of things. We are going through this together. And as we do, there will always be doubt and fear. But the only way to get past it is to find your why and learn to love the process. So hopefully this episode helps. Now here she is, Sarah Frazier. Sarah? 
I love you so much. Thank you for coming back on the show. Lauren, I love you. So I don't think people understand, like there are people in life, right? And unfortunately I'm going through some friend, I hate the word breakup, but I feel like, I don't know if I can still be friends with them because they're so negative. Right. You're a person. I actually, when I was in LA, I drove to downtown LA with you. I felt like I was going to throw up and crap my pants. So then we got there. I got an Uber and went back. I just wanted to be in your presence. It made me so happy because I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, it was made me sad that you were so sick. Let me clarify. I was weird. I didn't have like a fever. I think I just ate something really bad or or I was just kind of out of my eating cycle. I I think also you had been like going almost 24 hours a day for what, like three or four days at that point. But it made me feel so special that you didn't even have the energy to actually attend the event. You just came for the drive. <laughs> you were so sweet. You introduced me to some of your friends. I was like, uh-huh. Uh, I'm just currently trying to not shit my pants at your beautiful event. Okay. See ya. <laughs> like, I just, that was it. Like, <laughs> it was hilarious. I mean, the craziest thing about like meeting you in real life was that like, we've really developed a real life friendship via zoom and phone calls. So like now when you see people, have you had this experience? I've made so many friends or like business relationships throughout the pandemic. And then you meet the person in 3d and it's like, Whoa, like what's going on here? Well, at least with you, I feel this familiarity. Like I oh, a hundred percent. When I met you in person for the first time a couple of weeks ago, I, I literally felt like I had seen you like a girlfriend every Friday night. You know, I just yeah, like it, it, it was so cool. I just we just got right on. It was great. And I mean more like from a physical perspective, like I I told you, I'm like, I thought you would be so tall. <laughs> like <laughs> You know, because you have such a strong presence. And then when I met you, like, you're like petite. You're so like teeny tiny. You're like a little Barbie doll. That's why I always say that's how I know I'm going to make it in Hollywood. Because every celebrity is like 5'3". You know, Kevin Hart is like all of 5'2". You know, Tom Cruise, 5'4". I'm like, I'm totally going to have this great moment because I'm the perfect height. You know, I mean, all these celebs are so short. They're tiny in real life. They are. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Tom Cruise has to stand on an Apple box. We know this. This is just common knowledge. Um, But you have a strong presence. And, you know, you came on the pod, I think, was it earlier this year or late last year? I don't remember. But sometime within the last two years, which is all the same time to me. Yes. And we talked about how you've always been a person who is not afraid to make a huge change in order to be more yourself to better your life. Maybe it takes you a second to get there, but you always eventually do it. Um, since then you've had a baby. I have to say like the world's cutest baby. I cannot believe how precious his little face is, KJ. Um, you've decided that you're going to move to LA yes. with the fam, the whole family. Yes. And yeah, I just, could you catch us up a little bit? Like how has being a mom kind of changed your approach to business and Yeah. Let's start there. Well, you know what? I know that it had to be the past year that I was on your show because I was definitely pregnant because you had given me this great sort of sage moment of wisdom. And you said every woman that you know, that you work with who has become a mother, her career has like taken off. Yeah. That gave me such ease when you said that, because I think there's still in our entertainment business, this like fear of having a child because your body's going to change. And then are you going to be as available because you have a kid? And I do have to say, I've had a lot of interesting meetings, like pitches, you know, I I'm moving to LA because I want to be a talk show host on TV. I love television and I want to be a producer. Like I want to produce some wild shows. Right. So I've had some meetings and it's funny with some male show developers or whatever. And it's like weird when you tell them that you're pregnant or you're having a kid, they do sort of like, they're like, Oh, 
Yeah. Congrats. I don't know. I've, I've felt like there's been some weird energy after I told them that, but also I feel like to your point, the greatest clarity, I ended up getting this wonderful agent. Um, when I was just out in, in LA, like so many of the right things have happened since having a baby. And I love that. I feel like he's just brought me so much joy and then clarity because I think everything kind of leads you to where you are and teaches you what you want and don't want. But I just don't have time to do a lot of the things that I kind of wasted my time with in the past. So it's the most, I mean, amazing spiritual experience having a child. Like I love it. And I want two more kids. I love that. Well, and I think there's a few things to break down there. First of all, yes, that is true that every single woman who's ever come on my podcast, who's a mother has had the greatest success after their kid. So that's really kind of what changed my mind about it. It's like, Oh, I don't have to have every single thing figured out. Cause I thought I did. I thought I had to have my whole career figured out. I thought I had to quote unquote, make it in all the ways I wanted to prior to having a child. This has been like the greatest clarity from the pandemic. It's not like life is in one section and career is in another section. And like friendship is in another section. This is all life, like personal life, and career are the same life. Yeah. And if I'm just prioritizing career or if I'm just prioritizing personal life, I'm going to end up not being myself or not having as evolved of a life as I want to. So I love this idea that you're seeing like life more holistically. And also like KJ has brought you so much content. Let's get real. KJ is, he'll be seven months old, November 8th. And and I use him on content all the time. And people go, oh, have you thought about, you know, maybe you shouldn't put your kid out there in the public. I said, I don't care. You know, anything for a like, anything for a click, anything for a 10 cent view. You know, I mean, I'm like, I'm like, he is my life. He's my world. And until he tells me, mom, I don't want to be on social media then, you know, his YouTube channel is launching soon. I mean, he too bad. He seems to be loving it. I'll be frank with you. I mean, he smiles wider than any human I've ever seen every time he's on camera. So I feel like you're getting good affirmations from him. I tell my husband, Dan, who on my show, we call Schman because like after three or four years of us dating and I had been on the radio, he'd said, I, I don't want to be identified anymore. And I said, it's a little too late. It's a little too late. So I was telling this story and a listener said, let's call him Schman. So we call him Schman to try to hide his identity, but everybody knows. But I said to him, I think KJ and I, are, we're going to be Melissa and Joan Rivers in the son daughter role. And I'm going to be this crazy older woman hitting on all these celebrities trying to get in their pants and probably offending them. And KJ will be the voice of reason. Yeah. And that will be that. I can totally see it. I mean, I think too, though, it's like you're talking about your life. Like now one of the big topics that you're talking about is your son just started eating solid food and he's not pooping. And like, that's all you're thinking about is God, can I get this kid to take a shit? You've never wanted someone to crap themselves in public as badly as when you have a child and they haven't gone to the bathroom in three days. And then it's like, you, you literally don't care. You want him to have an explosion at Walmart, at Whole Foods, anywhere, anywhere to just like clean himself out. Right. (laughs) It's, It's totally changed. It's changed my world completely. And, and something you know, I never thought I wanted a few years ago. And now I'm so glad I did it. And I just, he brings us so much joy. And I I don't know how you feel, Lauren, but I spent so much of my twenties, like grinding, you know, on the grind. And mm-hmm. after a while, I was just like, I have to let go. Like, I just have to, you know, put my intention out there, be clear about what I want and know the universe is working with me and let go a little bit because it had just gotten to the point. It wasn't even fun anymore. Yeah. Sarah, I feel like I'm kind of just getting to that point now. 
So how did you do that? How did you let go? How did you, without giving up on your dreams? Cause that's the hard thing. It's like, how do you let go of that grind and that emotional kind of trauma response you have to building a career in a creative path and still keep your dream? Like that's a hard transition to make. Okay. So this, this is going to sound strange how it connects, but it com- it comes back to my weight loss journey. Mm. So for people, for your listeners, Long story short, I started my first diet when I was 12 years old and I dieted till I was 28. I gained and lost 150 pounds. I did every diet, Atkins, um, Kashi Go Lean, Slim Fast Diet Pills, everything, right? And I was on the radio. Radio was beginning to get the internet. So like people could see you. I did TV things and people would comment on my weight all the time. And I almost quit my, I almost quit the business because I couldn't take people saying things like, oh my God, I just, I thought you were going to be blonde and thin, or I really thought you were going to be, you know, tall and skinny. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't care now what anybody says about my appearance. And I, I truly mean that some people say that, but then they get offended. I do not give a shit what people say about the way I look. So I started going to mindful, this mindful eating therapist and practice and the, the crazy psychology of natural weight loss giving up emotional eating, loving your body truly for who you are, is you have to be comfortable loving yourself if you never lost one more pound. Which when I walked into her office and I was 35 pounds overweight, I had dieted my whole life. I I didn't know what it was like, Lauren, to not be on a diet. Right. So the idea of letting go and just being like, I'm okay the way I am was like, it, it honestly took me about two years to master that concept through journaling, through therapy, through, I went up to this, um, it was a mindful eating retreat. I encourage your listeners if they have any sort of weight issue, uh, a woman named Janine Roth, she's actually in California and she hosts these seminars. I went to her seminar about, um, the seminar was titled women, food, and God. Oh yeah. She's come on podcasts. I pretty, she's been on the goop podcast and yeah. Okay. I'm obsessed with her. I, I went to her and it really was a like it clicked for me. And so the crazy part is, is kind of when you let go and you begin to truly love yourself as you are, if you never changed, the strangest thing is like things begin to change. If that makes Mm. any sense. Yeah, it does. It does. Totally. I mean, I think it's kind of the thing that I'm like struggling with and actually like embracing is that everything is the same everywhere. So it's like, if you have one lesson to learn in one area, you probably have to learn it in every area. And so like the food thing for you is just a symptom of a a greater thing probably, which was that you didn't love yourself for who you were. And you were using food as an outlet to kind of like quell that sense of desperation or like emptiness inside of you. And I think we all do that. We all have like different medicators, but it's kind of, it shows up in every area. So wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. And I love that. And I think it's so true. So it was just a matter of time and, and learning self-love really. Is that what you'd say? It is. And it's also giving up the idea of like, I'm not going to be happy until I'm famous. I'm not going to be happy until I'm a famous singer songwriter. I'm not going to be happy until I'm thin. That was like my big thing. Right. And even now, I mean, I still have dreams, right? I want this talk show. I want to work for like Mm -hmm. TLC network and do a crazy, you know, but I'm going to fall in love with the process of getting that. And if I get it, awesome. But I'm also not going to put my life and whole, you know, treating people well and loving myself and giving everything I can to my audience. I'm not going to not enjoy that process in the hopes that this happens, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't have the answer, 
but all I know is I'm going to fall in love with this whole thing and I'm going to uproot and move and just see what happens. Because I think if you love the process, you're going to land right where you're supposed to land. So I have two questions and I'll start with this. What do you love about the process? Like, how did you find something to love about it? Because for me, so much of the process just feels like I'm getting tortured. Like, how did you trick your brain into thinking this is fun? Because the minute I, I still feel that I still yeah. even even getting an agent, I'm like, OK, I haven't heard from her for a week. Does she care anymore? You know, like all those, you know, all the shame talk, shame talk. Mm-hmm. I But now I stop myself and I go, Sarah, you're not her only client. And P.S. you're not probably her most lucrative client. So she's working. The universe is working with you. Go and give your audience somebody that is tuning into your music. Like you, you have no idea because they, a lot of people don't write to you all the time. They're not going to tell you somebody has listened to your fuckboy song and they've been inspired. They've been healed for a second of like, you know what? Oh my God. Yeah. She had a fuckboy too, or this is my new anthem. So I do it for that. I do it for people who are listening to my podcast and it's their 30 minutes to escape, you know, whatever shitty thing is going on in their life. And, you know, if I can make them laugh once in 30 minutes, How great is my day? And when I have these feelings of no one cares about my podcast, it should be bigger. Oh, that's, that's the worst. I I mean, that's what I'm dealing with right now with my music. It's like, I'm finally admitting I'm disappointed, you know, like I'm going to maybe cry. Oh, cry. Yeah. It's hard. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm finally admitting I am disappointed because I put so much into it, you know, Sarah. And it's like, I don't know. I don't want to like feel this way because I want to do it for the love, but Part of me really does want that payoff of people caring. Yeah. And I don't know, like I'm trying to get past this to like get to just enjoying the process and putting it out, but it's hard. Cause I'm like, I don't know part. And I don't know if it's a shame talk or if it's like realistic, but I'm like, should I just give up? Like I'm really struggling with it right now. What's the hardest part? You just, you feel like you've worked at it so long and you just think, people like should be listening more, like should be, should be. Yeah. I guess like I see other people's Spotify numbers because Spotify does this really evil thing where they tell you how many people are listening. Like imagine if like you're very open about things, but like most people are not. So if your numbers aren't huge and people know them, it it can feel really embarrassing and shaming. Like when you put so much into it and you're like growing up being like, yes, I do this thing. So like when I look at somebody who has like a hundred thousand or a million or many millions of streams. And then I'm looking at my own and it's like at best on my best song, I have like 6,000 or 7,000 streams on my lowest one around a hundred. Like it can feel very like defeating. And like, what am I doing? I feel like I'm shouting into a paper bag. Okay. But wait a minute. Do you ever say to yourself, cause you work in the podcast game, you work in the entertainment, you see what happens. People do all kinds of marketing things. They buy streams. They to have their records done by famous producers. They look, you know, in the podcasting world, you can buy, I get inundated all the time. Oh, Hey, I'll promote your podcast to this. Do you get the ones that are like, hello, madam? <laughs> yes. Like, I get a lot of LinkedIn reach out where they call me madam. Sometimes, sir. I'm always curious. <laughs> does it work? Because how do you know that a content creator that is making music that maybe at the same time that you have, how do you know that he or she isn't doing that stuff? 
You don't. And I'm sure they are. But since I don't know, I'm like you did with your agent filling in the blanks and saying it means something about me. Oh, this person has all these dreams because they're so much better than me and everybody in the industry. I also don't feel like because I'm not as tied into the industry, like I'm very tied into the podcasting industry. You are. So I know that I'm bringing something to the table, even if my downloads don't reflect what I think my show is worth. Like I have a deep level of confidence that I am a good host. I've also been validated by awards and like people I really respect, like Julia Cameron, who wrote the book, The Artist's Way, like telling me it's one of the best interviews she ever had. So I've been validated in that way, but also I have like a deep knowing with music. I guess I, because I didn't write a song until I was so old, like, I mean, and not old by life standards, but like by music business standards, I didn't write my first song till I was almost 24. I was 23 and three quarters. So I think that like, I've always kind of felt like an outsider in that world, you know, and not, I don't mean this for this to turn into a therapy session, but Please. something you said just like no, do. ignited me. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really need to convert over to your way of thinking because I am a, a believer. Like some people I do think get the thing that they want when they're not ready. I personally don't believe God is going to give me the thing that I want until I'm ready. Cause I won't be able to handle it. Oh, that's like, I mean, God, we see that story all the time, right? You see it. Mm-hmm. You only have to read about lottery winners. How many lottery winners? Yeah. How many, you know what? And I always bring my stuff back to wait. Sadly, if you Google the biggest loser, that show that was on several years ago, mm-hmm. I think a very tiny percent have only kept it off. And why is it? It's mindset. Mm-hmm. It's mindset. They Once you're thin, you can't stay thin if you still believe that you are not a great singer songwriter. Right. And not that it's like about ego, but I mean, the answer to this is easy for you, Lauren. Cardi B stripped her way to paying high-end producers to write her music. You got to get on the polls out in LA. We will get you. <laughs> You're hot. You get out there, you strip. We'll get the money. Okay. And then who who's like the ideal producer? If you could wave a magic wand and work with a music producer, who would it be? Who's like the, the person you want to manifest? Well, I mean, God, it would be great to work with Phineas, who's Billie Eilish's brother, because I feel like he's just like so pro artist and knows how to make someone sound their best. Um, The guy who Greg, uh, his name is Greg Kirsten, I believe, who does all Adele stuff. That would be amazing. I mean, I really I love the producer I just worked with, Kiana. I think she's a badass. Like there aren't enough female producers in this business. They're not given opportunity. So it felt really good to give another woman an opportunity to produce my song. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's not a bad idea. I'm telling you, you don't even have to go to strip club anymore. Only fans. But, you know, I think of Cardi B like people and all the way up, people just shit on her, her teeth, the way she looked. She was ugly at strip clubs. She did a great Howard Stern interview and she said being black at a strip club. And I think she's like maybe Latino to her Latina. Yeah, I think so. so she said sometimes at different clubs, depending where she was stripping, she was the least desirable woman you know, cause they wanted somebody else or whatever, but she used her personality, her skill. And she said that all those hustling skills that she developed applied right to the music business. And so when she wasn't the hottest woman in the club, making the most money or whatever, she used all that. I mean, not to have, like, and the dark side of Cardi B, you know, like allegedly she's in a gang. Like, I mean, really? Yeah. Well, like they say a lot of musicians are backed by the mob. And when I hear that, I'm like, what the fuck? I'm a hundred percent Italian. Yeah. Why aren't you helping me out? Like, I heard that Taylor Swift was backed by the mob. I'm like, that's so rude because she could not be more white. Like you are not helping me out. I am 75% Sicilian. This is horrific. Hello. 
I am looking for a mobster to back my next album. <laughs> I mean, I feel your pain because I have been there. And the hardest part, because you you see this, like whether I see this in the podcasting business for myself all the time. I see people launch a podcast and within one year, they'll be like trending or something. And I'm like, I, I'm happy for you, but also what the fuck? Well, what do you think it is? Because like, obviously some of those people have followers, you know, but I'm going to tell you something, Sarah, that I've seen recently. Like the followers don't matter as much anymore. Like I'm seeing people with huge followings not succeed at this. Lauren, because a lot of the people with huge followings, their following is not real. Yeah. You work with podcasters that have legit real followings. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you name the shows that you work for or not, or work with on your show, but I mean, you do, you have some legit people, Yeah, but I guarantee you, you also have people who have faked it until they made it or hustled their way in and they don't have, I, I guarantee half of their followings fake. And that's why they put out a show and no one fucking listens. Cause it's a bot. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting that like, there's not more due diligence being done in this area because it's like clear, like look at the conversion rate. And I don't know it, but it is interesting. I think there's a piece of that, Sarah, but also like there's people who have legit followings who still aren't making it. So, okay. Why do you think that is content and talent? and whether or not your audience converts. So like there's people who are getting podcasts right now who have, that aren't known for talking. Like for you, it makes sense. Your conversion rate is going to be higher for podcasting because you are known first of all for radio, but second of all, for talking and for being a personality. I had a just independently on the side, totally outside of my normal full-time job, had a TikToker approach me for some consulting work because she was interested in starting a podcast and she's known for dancing and she also sings and she's really cool. But my first question is, have you ever listened to a podcast? No. (laughs) Okay. It actually came to you before listening to a podcast. Yeah. Because people look at this as just like another like business deal that they can do. So I'm like, okay, well, I want you to listen to some podcasts, figure out what you like. And then, you know, we can, we can talk about that. And then I also said to them, I'm like, do you ever talk on any of your social media? Are you known for talking? And she's like, oh, I, sometimes I do Instagram lives. I'm like, okay. So I want you to start talking and see what people are responding to. Like, are they sticking around for the talking? What do they want? You know, poor thing. She goes live on TikTok. Initially 10,000 people tune in. And then within five minutes, she's down to like 400. I never heard from her again. (laughs) But I'm not trying to produce a podcast for someone who has no respect for the medium. Like that'd be like me going to a producer for music and being like, I'd really like you to produce a song for me. And they're like, okay, what kind of music do you like? And I'm like, I've never heard a song. (laughs) It's disrespectful. (laughs) Just because you've talked doesn't mean you deserve a podcast. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Maybe you're right. And maybe you're right. Maybe that ultimately too is part of it is it's, it's probably a combination of things. Right. And they just are really bad to listen to. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It could be that I have no idea what it is, but that would be my take is if you're not known for talking, people aren't going to convert. And then if you've never listened to a podcast, you don't understand the medium. Therefore, you're not able to bring to the table what it needs. And I have seen some people who aren't huge podcast fans, like become great at it. So there can be a thing, but you have to study and you have to really think about like what your audience wants and deliver. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I probably don't listen to my audience enough at all. I go, oh, I want to talk to this person. (laughs) But I feel like your audience is very much like you and you have a good gut for that. So, okay, let's get back to your story. One thing I do want to ask, it's like redefining your why, right? Because like for me, 
I need to make sure that I'm really asking myself, what is my why? Why do I want to do this? Like, what is driving besides like a desire for my music to be like seen and heard? What's the greater purpose here? Because if I can really hone in on that, I think that's what's going to take me to a place of peace, at least. Right. How did you redefine your why during that time when you were trying to get out of the kind of trauma response period? Um. Oh my God. Year. It's taken years, which I'm sure is like not what anyone wants to hear. On hey, it's okay. The, but you've done it. But my podcast is five years old. I mean, I would say only in the past. Okay. When I first started the podcast, ironically, I really had this clear mantra of anything goes to entertain and inspire. Anything goes. Anything goes means like when I first launched the Sarah Fraser show, I went to like a mosque when all this kind of like anti-Muslim hate, like I broadcasted from a mosque. Like people liked that. What else did I do that people loved? I'd have like comedians on. I'd have, oh, I had this like naked poetry reader and then I got naked. Like, oh my gosh, really? <laughs> so people like love, people love that. I would talk politics. So but I, I don't know. I kind of like got, I kind of let other people say to me, eh, I don't get anything goes. So I was like, all right, I got to have something more definitive. Right. So I really abandoned that. And I actually think for a couple of years, the, the show really didn't have an anchor. And then mm. during the pandemic, I really leaned into, I'm going to bring back anything goes. And to me, anything goes kind of was like, I want to talk to this person. And so during the pandemic, I had like a UFC fighter, Holly Holm on, and I, I, just head on um, an OnlyFans model who has sex with God. I leaned into, <laughs> and then she's not. You didn't mishear that. Like she really, she believes she summons the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is in her body and her husband's body when they're having sex or when she's masturbating. Like she really believes that she is making love with God. Absolutely. <laughs> and you inspired me. You looked at me and you said, "Sarah Fraser will talk to anyone." And I thought that's who I am. And I'm going to lean into that politically, religiously, sexually, you know, because my why is this, I think that women's voices right now are very, very, very much in jeopardy because, and I say this to whatever your political belief is, right? We have to get to a point where if people don't agree with us politically, socially, that we can have a conversation and agree to disagree and still be friends. And that, and we're not, we're in a very bad place with that. Mm -hmm. And women are the first ones to be silenced, the first ones to be told to shut up. And for us, because we are more emotional caregivers, I think women internalize that much more. Mm -hmm. What I love about men is you could tell a man to shut up a hundred times and he'd fucking launch 18 podcasts. He'd be like, oh, more people need to hear my voice. Well, we haven't had an opportunity to speak for that long. And in the past, when women would speak, they could be exiled and not able to make money. I mean, it makes sense because like, I saw a TikTok the other day where a girl was like, you know, we don't marry for love. We're just looking for a place to live. And it was like supposed to be a woman from like the 1800s. But literally, that's what we were relegated to up until like the 60s. So when we step out and say something that people don't like, if there's a huge backlash for it, we're going to be a lot more likely to go back in our caves and just quiet our voices down and say really nice things. Because whatever they call it, like the lizard brain is telling us we're going to die and be exiled. Yes. So my why is for the women listening, I want you to go and create what you want to create. And I want you to know that not everybody is going to like it. And that's why I do have an interest in people like this Christian woman who has sex with the Holy Spirit that I know some people find offensive. And I even, you know, I had somebody write to me that, oh, you know, this is offensive to Jesus. And I'll, I get it. I understand why you're offended, but I'm not going to take it down. You know, you, if you feel you need to unfollow me or un, I get it. 
You need to do what is best for you and what you believe in. But I want women to know, go and put your shit out there, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. If you're creating music, if you want to launch a podcast and you want to talk about politics or you hate really being, go and be inspired to do it and know that it's okay if people disagree with you, but don't let your voice be silenced all these years and then wake up at 65 and go, I, I had so much to say. I think that the thing that you just brought up for me too, is you have to get really clear on what you believe, because if someone comes to you and says that, and you have like any wavering in what you've done, you're going to cower and take it down. So before you do something like that, like if you're going to talk to someone who says that they have sex with the Holy spirit, you have to be really clear on how you feel about it, how you feel about her, like how you feel about airing that. And if you're all good, you're not going to have an issue. But if you have any sense in you, that's like, Oh, I don't know if I should have done that. The minute someone says something, you're going to go into shame and probably just either cower or just go in a spiral. And I think too, this comes from, I've been canceled and I think it's, I learned from that lesson. Also, I cannot put myself under pressure that I'm going to be perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. And I know as I get a TV gig, I'm sure I will offend somebody, whether it's socially, sexually, religious, racially. I'm not perfect. I don't, you know, I'm trying to make you laugh. And when you do that, you know, you're trying to be a songwriter. Sometimes people take it the wrong way. I've also given myself forgiveness and permission to go. You're going to go for every aspect of your dream, but you're going to fuck up. So yeah. the question is, are you going to own it and just say, look, I, I did. I said something that I can understand people thought was racist and I'm sorry. I think that's why what you're doing works because you're willing to be open to okay, if you don't like that, I can see that and, you know, talking about it. Okay. So the talk to anyone thing, I see you as a mixture between Oprah and Jerry Springer. (gasps) That's what I want to be. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So when I do this show, I don't think we can throw chairs at each other anymore. Cause that's like sort of, what can people do? How about water or something? I don't know. What's less violent than chairs? Oh yeah. What's water ballooning people? (laughs) Although that could ruin the microphone. So no. Um, maybe we'll do like a food fight. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. But I mean, I don't want to make it sound easy. Like it's been so long, like the tears that you cry. I felt that so deeply because before getting this agent and like making the decision to move to LA for the past years, I've been struggling so hard, Lauren. Like I just am like, what am I, what am I being called to do? Why isn't this working? Why are other people getting ahead? Why, you know, I just feel like I'm a loser. So it's taken me so long to change the mindset. What was that moment where you're like, I know I have to move to LA. Was there a lightning bulb moment or was it just a slow progression? Slow progression because you know what? I, for years I I wanted to move to New York, Mm. loved New York city, wanted to move to New York. And then I lived there. New York. I don't, I don't hate it. I love I love living there, but I guess I didn't fall in love with New York. And then I, I don't know, there was something in me. I'm trying to think of who planted the seed in my mind. Cause I never thought I wanted to live in Los Angeles because it's far away from my family. I'm like, but somebody did, someone was like, I really think you should go to LA. And for, I know this sounds ridiculous, but it never dawned on me. Like, oh yeah, maybe I should move to LA. And then I went to Los Angeles and I was like, I need to move to LA. Like we, every time I come to Los Angeles, weird shit happens to me. Like this last time I ended up having drinks with former major league baseball player, Lenny Dykstra. And I'm just like, this is, how does this, ha-? like, that's what I love about Hollywood is anything can happen anytime where New Yorkers are like a little bit more 
they're skeptics or a little bit more, you know, it's, but LA, I, what I love about Los Angeles is like anytime, anywhere, anybody is creating their dream. It's, it's wild. Yeah. It's powerful. It is powerful. Like, and I, what I love about living here is you can be walking down the street and like your life can totally change. You can get one call. That's why I answer every call. <laughs> I answer every single call. I don't even care if it's potential spam. I go, this is Lauren. <laughs> and then it's like a delay, delay, delay. Hi, we're calling from the IRS. Yeah. And then if it's a robot, you just hang up right away. But one out of every 500 times, it's an opportunity that I didn't expect. And that's why I answer every single call. And Lauren, I just know for you, all your dreams are going to come true. It's just, it, it's not on our time. If that makes sense. Like, well, you know, I'll tell you, Sarah, like finding this relationship has really changed my opinion on that because, you know, I did all the self-love stuff. I was hugging myself and telling myself it was going to be okay. And I love myself and trying to be a better partner to myself. But about a week and a half or two weeks before I met him, I was talking to a friend. I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'll never find anyone. And then I met him and it fell out of the sky. It was totally unexpected. I mean, I look back on it now and I'm like, oh, I was kind of like falling in love with him over months of hanging out like individually, but I didn't get that. I thought we were just friends. And uh, that has kind of changed my perspective on what's possible because my mom would always say to me like, Lauren, it's going to happen. And it's going to happen a lot sooner than you think, both in regard to my career and in love. And I would just be like, Oh mom, stop saying that. Like, (laughs) it's like not happening. I'm so depressed, blah, blah, blah. And then when that did happen and it was literally like, I feel like Jesus dropped him from the sky. I keep being like, where did you come from? And he's like, Chicago. And I'm like, but where did you really come from? (laughs) But Lauren, you just said it too. You kind of had gotten to the space of yeah. maybe I'll be by myself. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm okay alone. You had just let go. Right. And then everything, but you and I, it's like, we hold on to our career so much, you know, yeah. why didn't this happen? Why is it? So you had that lightning moment of letting go and look what happened for you. I mean, here's the other thing. Do you ever feel like there's so many things to do now? I feel like I can't possibly do all the things. Like there's too many things. Like I can't be prolific at TikTok and like make really cute, compelling Instagram posts and be an amazing podcast producer and a singer songwriter and a great marketer. Like, how am I supposed to do all these things? Like, how do you handle that weight? I have no, I don't have the answer either. Cause I, I wake up every morning thinking the same thing this week. I'm going to be a TikTok star. <laughs> you are doing great on TikTok, by the way, yeah, but you got to do it every day, religiously, multiple videos. I, all I can tell you is this. I don't have the answer, but that's a great guest for your show. Like whoever can tell you whoever does. Yeah. Whoever can tell you how to pick and choose. All I can say to the, is this is don't bother with Instagram and Facebook. Cause it's all pay to play. Yeah. So that's why the, the following and everything like engagement has gone way down. I've noticed. Yeah. They want you to pay. So all I know is that I, I waste no more. I just repurpose everything on Instagram, but I don't do any original content because unless you're going to pay to boost they're they're never going to, they're going to keep shrinking and shrinking your audience and messing with your mind until you go, okay, I'll give you a hundred dollars just to get back to having a thousand likes, you know? You know, there's an interesting thing that I learned from one of the podcasts I produced. There's an, a thing in our brain, like back in the day when we were part of like tribes and people who would like walk together <laughs> to survive. Yeah. Did you like the way I just described what a tribe was? Yeah. <laughs> we we're all walking, together. walk together to survive. I'm with you. But we were in groups of people because that was the only way you could survive. 
if something happened to you, like let's say you broke your ankle, they would leave you behind because you were a liability to the group. So, and if you were left behind, you died because you couldn't survive alone back then. Well, the same part of our brain that felt that exile feeling when we were left behind by the group, when we were left to die is ignited. When someone unfollows us, when someone writes a hate comment, we feel that same part of our brain is ignited. And we feel as if we're going to be exiled and left behind to die. That's why it hurts so bad. Really? So then that's probably why we end up all creating the same content or you look at Instagram models. They all look the same, right? Cause it's that need for, Oh yeah. It's, it's a need to fit in, but like on a evolutionary level, it's a need to survive. Wow. That's good. That's deep. It is. It is. And, and, you know, once I understood that I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm like, I don't take losing followers so seriously anymore. Cause I'm like, it's not actually that bad. It's just my brain thinks I'm dying. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But it's, it's hard yeah. when you're in it. And again, to your point, right. We see people all the time, singer songwriter. you see YouTube people who have no business being singers, have a song that will then trend on TikTok because they have 3 million followers. And it's like, shit, those fall. Then you go, oh, fuck, followers matter. Like I should be doing YouTube. Right. And then it's a spin. It's like, okay. And I guess this is a, a great conversation for this podcast I'm doing, but like, wh- at what point are you committed to creativity versus at what point are you committed to like building the follower and building that machine? Like, it's hard to know like what comes first. And I also don't get what people want. Like, Actually, I love Doja Cat. Like I saw her on Saturday. She's amazing. Really? Did you go see her in concert? I did. Yeah. Like I went to this concert with all these different people. I really love her, but she's got this one song that's trending right now, which like, this is proof that I don't understand what's going on in the world, but she's like, like that's, it's that like, like that one. She's messing with everyone. By the way, there's another example of someone. Her father is like a famous Hollywood producer. Oh, he is. Okay. That makes sense. But but I do think she's a badass. Like, I just don't like that one song. And the fact that that like, I looked in the comment section of that one song on our YouTube page and it's like, she's a genius. This is so brilliant. I do think she's a genius. I do think she's brilliant, but that song is not proof to me. And so it's like, what's happening in the world. Do I have to like cater to that? Cause I can't. I don't know. Yes, you can. You're not weird enough. That's all it is. Kanye West is no genius. I mean, he's he's good, but Kanye's weird. Doja Cat's weird. Yeah. I'm pretty fucking weird too. It's just like- I Let your weird flag fly. Get it out there even more. That's what people, because isn't it funny how, to your point, right? Like people follow what looks alike. We all act alike, but yet we're so attracted to Doja Cat going boop, 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 or whatever. Yeah. Because we're so attracted when Kanye West does something so weird. It's like, because we all have that in us. We want to be different. We're just afraid to be different. Yeah. I mean, and I think in my own way, I'm doing that, but like, maybe the answer is like doing bolder things with the music, like really not giving a fuck. Like I come from musical theater. Maybe I bring that shit back in, you know, I can, I have an operatic range. Maybe I do a song where half of it's pop, half of it's opera. Like, you're right. Maybe I'm not playing big enough. And to circle back, that's what you're doing. The smile on your face just popped when you said that. Yeah. And Fuckboy is the start of that, by the way. Yeah, it is. Because that was my first time, like, stepping out and saying something that I thought I might get excommunicated for. I loved it. It was awesome. And you kind of, like, taking on this male, like, I loved it. Go, I say go even harder. Well, I don't know. Maybe you don't want to take it. <laughs> you know, I'm crazy. No, go harder with the fuck boy. <laughs> go harder with the, 
No, I want to. And I want to do other things too. Actually, I want to talk to you off air about this idea I have, because I know you were raised Catholic too, right? Yes. I have an idea. Um, it could get both of us deeply excommunicated, but it might just be brilliant. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think that that's why I'm so attracted, like why I wanted to talk to you in the first place, because you're not afraid to say whatever is on your heart and mind. I still have fear. Like I really do. And I want to work through that. But for me, you're my patron saint of speaking the truth of speaking your heart of going after the scary thing, because you've done it no matter what potential detriment it could bring to you, you have done it and you continue to do it. That's what I think even like having this baby was part of that. Even moving to LA is part of that. Even being with Schman, like this is all like, you're just so to use an overused word authentic, but also courageous and vulnerable. And I just admire you so much. And I, I'm so proud of you for this leap you're taking and for leaning into she'll talk to anyone. You, you gave me that slogan and I love it. Never lose it. Uh, Lauren, I can't thank you. That was like the sweetest, that was the best compliment. And I, all I can say now you're going to make me cry, but I, the, the reason that I do that is because I don't have any fear or my fear has gone away because my dad died when he was like 49 and oh, now you're going to cry, but he had lots of dreams and he didn't get to fulfill those dreams. And so it's like, I know our time here is so limited, so I can't play it safe. I can't, you know, it's, it's, it isn't honoring him. If I play it safe, if I stay I love Virginia. I love what DC has given me, but I know I can be bigger than here. And I know if I don't, I'm not honoring like everything that he wanted, you know, like that's, so I would just say that to you, like find that, find that like deepness in your heart. You can't play it safe because we don't know, you know, you, and you know, you might lose friends. You might, you're not going to be for every record label, but you have to that's for me. Like I have to, when it's my time to go to the next life, I have to look at this life and go, I did everything. Like I played it big. Like that's, that's to me, like the mark of such a great life. It is. And how, <laughs> no, it's so profound. It's so profound. <laughs> I mean, just, I think about that a lot. It's like, did my grandpa come over on fucking Ellis Island and live in an abusive uncle's basement and sell rotten fruit so that I could just be small? No, no. And I think we have to do it for our ancestors who sacrificed, who maybe didn't get the dreams. You know, it's like, I just feel like your dad is so proud of you. (laughs) You know, he's like your spirit guide, you know, cheering you on. And I love that you've like, he, he's your why totally that's, that's your guiding light. Like that's, that's your guardian angel. Totally. If we can't do it for ourselves, cause sometimes maybe we don't have the strength for ourselves, like doing it for people we love, whether it's a past loved one or your son to show him that he can do whatever he wants, you know, like there's so many reasons. Like if you're not feeling like you have the strength, you can look to someone else, but that's a good thing for me while I'm still like building up my self-love and learning my worth, like to remember the people who sacrificed. So I could even be alive, but also so that I could have this dream. And we get to dream. Like I know, you know, certainly our society has a long way to go, but we've come a long way and we, yes, we have get to dream. I mean, you are the generation of a grandfather who came here. I mean, 
he couldn't dream of being a singer songwriter. The poor guy was just trying to fucking eat. I mean, you know, yeah. just like trying to stay away from an abusive uncle. I mean, you know, he was like, it was, there weren't any dreams. I mean, the greatest thing is we should have fun now with our lives because they did do all the work and sacrifice. Like yeah. we're the generation of like, we get to dream anything we want. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm getting it now, Sarah. I'm getting it. We do. Right. Girl, you are, I love when I hear, and I know a lot of black people say this and I, I love it. And I, I know it's theirs, but I love saying it is they, they always say, you know, I'm my ancestors wildest dream and I, yeah. I get what they mean. I mean, now we all get to dream. Yeah. And that's fucking huge right there. I mean, even our moms didn't really get to dream, uh-uh. you know, like it's incredible. You know, we have a long way to go, but it is beautiful to look at how far we've come and and in such a kind of relatively short period of time of humanity, like there were a lot of truly effed up years in the past hundred years, the world has advanced in ways that our ancestors never could have imagined. I mean, it's insane to think the Holocaust was like within a hundred years. Like, I mean, you want to talk about the world ending? Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine being alive then? I'm sorry. I would know nope. like, there aren't any dreams. Like, I I mean, and even Holocaust survivors have gone on. I mean, probably to your point, because they've survived something so horrific, they've gone on to do unbelievable world changing things. Yeah. They still managed to dream, even though they had been through literally the worst thing imaginable for a human being ever. Yeah, you're right. And they've like so many Holocaust survivors have made huge, I mean, contributions. Like I'm sure after a while they were like, fuck it. I've lived through ultimate hell. Like I'm creating anything I want. And yet they still give back to humanity. <laughs> that's the amazing I mean, that's, part. that's a beautiful thing. It's like, we all have something to share. Anyway, I I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. I can't wait to see what you do next. And I'm going to be here being your biggest fan and you're my inspiration. Girl, right back at you. Your music is really good. You, you're almost there. It's just like, if that song had totally blown up and you were performing for Doja Cat tomorrow, would you be ready? I need to think about that. Probably not if I pause. All right, well, there you go. But you're going to be. Hey, Doja Cat, I'm ready for you. I'll be there too. I love her. I do too. I love you. I love you too. Thank you for everything. Thanks for listening and thanks to my guest, Sarah Frazier. For more info on Sarah, follow her at The Sarah Frazier Show on Instagram and TikTok and check out her podcast, The Sarah Frazier Show, wherever good podcasts are found. Definitely check out that episode I did with her. It came out about two weeks ago. Thanks so much to Unleashed producer, Emily Shulmanovich. You can follow her at We Can't Find Emily. Thanks to Liz Full for the show's theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. If you like what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and follow Unleash on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Also tag Sarah at The Sarah Fraser Show so she can share too. My wish for you this week is that you start to fall in love with the journey and that you're really honest with yourself about what you're disappointed in and ask yourself, where am I playing it safe? Am I playing it safe? Is there a way I can at least baby step toward making a bigger choice? And if so, do it. Because I love you and I believe in you. Talk with you next week, you beautiful human.